we come prepping 2.0? We're not preppers because we take the easy path. If we took the easy path, we would be the general population slugs that are sitting on the couch eating a bag of Doritos every night. When disaster strikes, will you be prepared? This is Prepping 2.0 with authors and prepping experts, Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Online at prepping2-0.com. Get ready. Prepping 2.0 coming in three, two, one. Welcome, everyone. This is Shelby Gallagher over here at Prepping 2.0, joined by my co-host on the show and partner in life, Glenn Tate. Well, hello. This episode, we're going to address prepper myths and we have some really fantastic prepper myths to go over with you shelby and i will be reading the patreons myths that they provided by the way another reason to be a patreon is you get to participate in the show and we will be giving some color commentary on them so this is going to be great the idea for this show was remember that show mythbusters yes it was so fascinating it almost didn't matter what the myth was it's just that they busted myths, and so well, that's what we're going to do on this show. Yeah, but first we have some cool things to talk about. Yes, we do. Numana Foods. You know, we talk about layering. If you've listened to the Food Preps 2.0 shows that we've done, we've done four episodes on it, you know that we're big fans of layering. And by that, we mean having some kinds of foods that have different qualities. Some are easy to prepare. Some are inexpensive. Some are expensive but long term ding 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 that's new mana foods freeze-dried foods that last 25 years they come in big packages family size portions not the little you know serving size two spoonfuls nothing Mm -hmm. like that and so new mana foods if you use the uh the coupon code prep p-r-e-p you will get 10 percent off your first order and you can get Numana Foods, freeze-dried foods by going to prepping2-0.com, friends and affiliates, clicking on the Numana logo, or I guess you could go to the Numana, N-U-M-A-N-N-A, but just use the coupon code PREP to get your 10%, and you will be set. You will have a layer of freeze-dried food, and you'll be so glad you did. Awesome. So one of the other things we wanted to talk about and uh, keep wanting to remind you and ask you to pencil this date in on your calendar, July 30th, we will be hosting the Prepping 2.0 Picnic Palooza in Missoula, which is awesome. We're just celebrating, celebrating, first of all, Glenn's uh, recovery from COVID. That was a little bit scary. But just celebrating. So many of us um, have recovered from COVID and just celebrating and coming together and enjoying a meal and hanging out. It's at a cool facility. It is at a park pavilion and it's got great seats. You know, there's places to toss a Frisbee, walk your dog. There's a playground for kids and it's in Missoula, which is on I-90. So it's easy to get to. There's plenty of places. There's hotel rooms. There's RV spots. It's going to be a cool thing, I think. You should make Montana part of your summer vacation plans, and you should, in my very humble opinion, plan your vacation around July 30th in Missoula so you can come and meet us, and we can talk to you and meet you. We love doing it. And Shelby, we have another thing to talk about. We we are going to be introducing a new component to the show. Give folks a little bit of a a vague outline of what that is to kind of get their interest. I will, but I do want to give a quick location for the picnic. It's going to be at the Bella Vista Pavilion at Fort Missoula State Park in Missoula. So if you have any questions on that, go check out the show notes. But yeah, we're going to be starting a segment, uh, a a part of Prepping 2.0 that will include kids. And I'm not talking, hey kids, let's learn how to shoot something crazy like a cannon or something. No, this is going to be just helping their skills and their mindset for prepping. And um, it's going to be virtual and online because I'm not going to come out and visit y'all, but we're, we're putting it together and we're excited about it. And it'll be a separate thing. So it's not necessarily part of the show. So if you don't have kids or kids annoy you and you don't want to hear about them. Like um, Glenn. Yeah, no, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> um you uh you won't be bothered with it if you don't want to hear it it'll be an extra feature to being a patreon yes it'll be very cool i'm excited about it we'll roll out more details we have a little bit more work to do on that but we figured a lot of you have 
kids or grandkids. There are a lot of grandparents out oh, there. Oh, for sure. And uh, if you want to get those kids pointed in the right prepping direction, and you want to get their mind a little bit expanded in sort of a non-threatening way, we don't sit there and go, there are going to be zombies that are going to eat your face off. We don't do that. Um, anyway, so we'll have more details on it, but I think you're going to like what we've come up with, and it'll be rolling out soon. Well, let's get into it. Yes. The myths that we asked our Patreons, what are myths regarding prepping? So we're going to go right into it, right, Glenn? We sure are. Okay, so number one, Northwest Prepper Girl. I'm sure that's not her real name. Probably not on her birth certificate. No, no, no. But she um, she, she was the first one, and she put a couple of really good ones. Number one, that I won't need ammo for anything other than hunting. Yeah, there's a myth. And number two, I live in Oregon. I don't need to store a lot of water. There you go. You know, this idea that the the Elmer Fudds, those are the, um, the if you think about the old cartoons, Elmer Fudd would go out hunting and he had his little gun with a little cork on it. And, you know, it was he, very cute. Yeah, it was very cute. But that's kind of a, a term of derision in the gun community for people who just hunt and they uh, they don't they don't like the guns, the AR-15s and everything else. They just they're hunters and uh, they don't mind regulating if government regulates guns as long as they don't touch hunting guns. And a corollary of that is that Elmer Fudd's uh, will be the kind of guys, and I've actually had this conversation with a guy at the range, all you need is a box of uh, 20 rounds for your .30-06 because you, you only shoot a couple deer a year, and uh, that box will last you 10 years if you only shoot two rounds. That kind of stuff is what Northwest Prepper Girls talking about, and that's a huge myth. It seems sounds weird to us in this in this audience because we're so supportive of the Second Amendment, mm -hmm. but there are a lot of Elmer Fuds out there. And then the idea that just because it rains a lot in a place like Oregon, you don't need to store a lot of water unless you just uh, walk around in a rainstorm with your tongue out and expect raindrops to be absorbed on your tongue. You're going to need to store and treat water. And Shelby, you know what I'm always saying: water is the most important prep. And so you can't just count on it being very rainy where you live. Uh, there's a lot more to it than that. We did an episode on water that was one of our best and I think mm -hmm. most informative. Well, and to add to that, if we know this because we've between the two of us, we've lived in Oregon and Washington. It is actually illegal in both places yeah. to collect rainwater. So the water belongs to the state. Yes, apparently. So it's stealing the state's I'm, water. I'm. I'm, and if you talk to someone in Arizona and tell them that, they absolutely like pass out at that <laughs> idea. So you need to think about water because there's some workarounds that you've got to work through on that one. So I absolutely agree with her. Next one is from Kelly. And Kelly says, we all have, this is the myth, of course. Everything we're reading is a myth in the eyes of Patreons. The myth is we all have underground bunkers prepped to care for y'all. Ha! Uh, that is so true. This is the topic of I'm coming to your house mm -hmm. when the S hits the fan. And um, the idea that, that the general population has that preppers are entirely squared away, I guess an underground bunker is the is the standard of squared away. Well, it's it's what's of, in every movie, right? It's, yeah, it's in every movie. And, well, and her final comment there is kind of a ha-ha, too. She says, do wish I had a bunker, though. Yeah. Yeah, don't we all? Exactly. Exactly. What's the next one, Shelby? The next one is from Moose. I'm sh Again, Moose, I'm... Sh I'm Not on I'm his birth sorry, certificate. I'm sorry your mother didn't like it. I'm kidding. Uh, the idea that you can spend tens of thousands of dollars, even millions on food, equipment, ammunition, and off-grid property, and that somehow this offsets being out of shape. If you can barely get up five flights of stairs now, you're not going to be able to do it when you're at peak stress. Being healthy and in shape is the top prep. If you're not, you're like a car without an engine and tires. Well said. One of our very first episodes yes. was called Prepper Fit. It was like episode number three or four. We should redo that one because we've gone through some health stuff since then. Yeah. Too, that we should probably <laughs> revisit that ourselves. But we made the point that he's made, that Moose is making mm -hmm. about how important being in shape is. And yeah, it's hard to do. Um, it, we're all busy and, and, you know, we have too much good food lying around and it's kind of a problem. Uh, to make time to exercise. But if you put the energy into being in shape that, that you put into the rest of your preps, I'm sure you would you would do it in no time at all because our audience, you know, they're planners and they're doers. They get stuff done. Mm -hmm. And if you apply that same energy 
to being in shape, it's going to be very important. And why do you think the military is, is so um, high on physical fitness? Because it takes a lot of physical activity to do all these things. Forget the gunfights, right? That's the, that's the romantic stuff. Although that is, that is pretty tiring. I've in training, just in little bits of training, gone, run really hard and, and shoot. And, and you pick up a guy and drag him and do that stuff. It is amazing how quickly you get, I mean, like in 30 seconds, you're completely smoked and completely tired. And, uh, the other thing people forget about when it comes to being in shape and prepping is that even if you're not in gunfights, you're still going to be chopping wood. You're going to be walking everywhere because gasoline is going to be at a premium. And so that'll be next week. That'll be next (laughs) week. Yeah. Be $10 and 40 cents a gallon. Um, so being in shape is really, really important. So yeah, that is a myth that you don't need to be in shape. Next one, Shelby. Next one is from Zariel. I don't know if Zariel is a guy or a girl. So this person says, the two two biggest myths I've found have to be that one, you have to be prepared for every scenario or you fail as a prepper. And two, if you don't have the top of the line and expensive prepping supplies and gear, then you aren't really trying. Both of these are horribly inaccurate and proven wrong time and time again. 100% true. You know, there are some things you need to have high quality. I would say boots would be right up there. Um, and that's the only one that's coming to mind, but you can't let, what is that phrase? They say the perfect be the enemy of the good. If you wait to, to save up $400 for a really cool rain jacket, for example, you're not going to get the rain jacket because the $400 that you save up is going to get evaporate and go to pizza and other stuffs. Right. So you, you can't, you can't have the absolute perfection, um, model in mind because there are so many things you need to acquire to be prepared. I mean, water treatment is something we were just talking about. And if you spend all your money getting, unless you're really super rich, you don't have enough money to get the very best of the dozens of items that you need. And so you need to just get it. And the, you know, the, the other thing is you can always upgrade later. This has happened with us. Um, when I, couldn't spend money on preps because uh, my my first wife wouldn't let me. Um, sad but true. I had to really stretch money and I got cheaper stuff. And then uh, when I married somebody cool, uh, that would be you, Shelby. Uh, <laughs> she's smiling. Um, I I upgraded my my stuff. So you, getting getting something is better than nothing. Well, and and I do think to some degree. You don't, and I, I'm gonna, and I agree with this person. You don't need to get the the biggest whiz bang, whiz bang um, name brand to be good. And here's an example. There's um, uh, a brand out there that recently went woke, and their clothing line has a very distinctive brown color. Let's talk about that. And they're known for their work clothes and their coveralls and and their heavy duty jackets. And they've got that nice heavy duty duck cloth. Are you speaking of Carhartt? I am. I didn't want to say it and then like get sued or something. No, they can't sue you. So Carhartt. So I'll I'll take, I'll defend you in the case and I never lose. All right. So Carhartt went, you know, they're, they're known for their quality and hybrid. I can go into, um, an off brandy kind of store and I can find just as high quality duck cloth, heavy duty stuff. That's not Carhartt. For half the price. Keep in mind, so many times with name brands, you're paying for the name brand. You're paying for that the Carhartt name. You don't have to. There's other good, high-quality things out there. And it's also nice knowing that your dollars aren't going to, to pay for you know, somebody to be all woke out there. So, yeah. So that's an option, too. And I talk about this in my books because I, I did the prepping thing on a budget for a long time. You sure did. Well, next one is N.J. McMichael. M-I-C-N. I bet he's from New Jersey. I bet he is. I bet he is. He says a myth is that heirloom seeds will give you an endless supply of food. Okay, what do you do while you're waiting for the growing season? What have you prepared with? Can you store what you're growing? Can you grow enough for you and yours? What are you going to do for fertilizer? He says not necessarily a myth, but something underemphasized in most prepper communities and websites. The concept of prepper fit. Amen. Amen. 
If the grid goes down, we're all going to be doing a boatload more manual labor than we're accustomed to. Chopping firewood, hauling water, fixing things, gardening, bending and lifting, maybe even security work. Maybe 10% of all preppers are in decent physical condition to do any of it. Drop the extra weight and get in shape. I'm a fine one to talk. Mm -hmm. I need to do it too. So we've already covered prepper fit. So let's focus, Shelby, with our color commentary on the idea that heirloom seeds will give you an endless supply of food. And what do you do while the garden is growing? Well, heirloom seeds are awesome. And what that means is that they are not hybrid seeds that don't produce. So let's just say you, you, you want to plant radishes. If it's a hybrid of some kind, it's not necessarily going to reproduce seeds that you can use for the next growing season. So heirloom seeds, the idea being that you can continue to grow and propagate. Um, Absolutely right. Here's the thing. Gardening is a craft that you need to get good at in the area that you live. We learned this in Western Washington when we lived there. Took me two or three years to finally figure out how to get the garden to grow just in time for us to move again. So I'm having to do that all over again. We're now in a very different climate. So do I have a package, a a big package of a ton of seeds? You bet. Do I know how to grow them in Western Montana? No, I do not. Not yet. And so he's right. If you have heirloom seeds, this is what I'm imagining this person saying. I have a package, a big, you know, prepper box of heirloom seeds over here. I'm good. I don't need to grow them because I don't need them yet. I'll save them. I'll save them. You, yes and no. Yes, you can save them, but please be gardening. Buy a second pack and actually plant them. Yeah, garden with them, not for necessarily the sense, uh, not for necessarily in the beginning for food propagation so much as your skill set in gardening and then as you get good at it now you can work towards storing it using it canning it eating it dehydrating it and using it in your food supply and gauging how much you need for your family we are in the process of doing this as we get our head wrapped around our new property here in western montana yeah and you know stored food and by that i mean um uh, you know, food preps you buy at a, at a Costco or whatever, um, is, is meant to get you through the growing season. I mean, the, the gardens are great. They take skill and they take, um, some facilities and they take things like making sure deer don't come and eat all your food. Um, so you, there's a learning curve to it. And, and what do you do? And this is part of the myth he's talking about. What do you do until the garden is productive? Well, that's what stored food is for. And you, Shelby, have said it so many times, and you're so right. You can't store enough food to live on for the rest of your life. You're going to, at some point, have to produce food. But the point is, at some point, you'll be producing food. And in the meantime, that's what your stored food is to get you to. And 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 I would just say, learn how to garden in your area so that you can produce food. And that's a skill and not everyone is, I, I'm somewhat good at it. I can get better at it because I have to learn my property. So what's the next one, Glenn? Um, Marjorie had a reply okay. and it's a substantive reply uh, to uh, NJ. And Marjorie said, right. When talking to our adult son a few years ago, he said, we'll just plant a garden. Granny always had a big garden. I asked if she still does. And he said, no, she hasn't had one for a few years now. I asked if she or they had seeds or if they bought fresh ones every year. Blink. So, yeah, this idea that granny grew a garden, how hard can it be? I mean, gardening isn't hard. I mean, it's not, you know, uh, rocket science, but you have to learn the skills and you're so right. You have to learn what works in your area and you can't just, you know, jack and, and the beanstalk, the magic beans, you just pop the magic beans in the dirt and all of a sudden you've got burritos. It doesn't work no, it that doesn't way. it doesn't work that way. Yeah. You pop the beans in the ground and then a bunch of pests come overnight and eat them all. Yeah. All right. So now you solve that problem. Put some beans in the ground and then something eats all the beans off as they are growing. All right. Solve that problem. Plant the beans again. That's what I mean. You have to practice the skill of your area. What are the, the pests and the, and the elements that you will have to kind of manage so that you do get a crop? It's... So we are going to go too far into the woods if I'm not careful. Yeah, that's right. So the next one is, and this one has some length to it, um, is from Randy. Uh, First and foremost, the notion that everyone in my family is coming to your place when the S hits the fan is the biggest myth of them all, LOL. Uh, The next line 
the the next in line to that is that prepping has to mean the end of the world or a life demolishing catastrophe. My prepping started in 2009 after a massive ice storm in the Northeast left us without power for 11 days and we lost everything in the freezer. It's not about the Mayan calendar ending or the zombie apocalypse, though the latter was how I got my kids interested in preparedness. It's about trying to mitigate the fallout of any emergency, be it a job loss or no power for 11 days or zombies. My last one would be that you need all the gear. Yes, retail therapy makes us feel good, but if you can't start a fire in your wood stove or if you can't make good hits under stress with your pawn shop Glock 19 and Poverty Pony AR-15, then why bother prepping in the first place? Knowledge beats gear every time. 100% agree that knowledge beats gear every every time. And one of the cool things about knowledge is that for the most part, it's free. I mean, you can learn things and you can experiment with gardens. I guess it costs the price of seeds or something like that. But if you're on a budget, you can learn skills pretty much for free. YouTube is pretty awesome at teaching you things. I got to disagree a little bit with him that it's a, a myth that everyone in your family says they're coming to your place when SHTF comes. I think that that's going to be a real problem for a lot of people. I don't think that's a myth. Um, Maybe he means it's a myth that they're actually going to come and be welcome. In that case, I would agree with him because it's it's not going to be very welcoming when unprepared people you haven't seen in quite some time just decide to gobble up all the food that you've stored up. Well, we have talked to many of our fans that have said, yeah, I have this so-and-so family member that have joked, ha-ha, you know, or they've seen their basement. Oh, yeah, yeah, so when the zombies come, I'll come over. Ha-ha-ha, ha-ha, not really. Nervous laughter. Yeah, nervous laughter. Yeah, and um, we've had people approach us many times. What do I do about this? And I'm like, you. it's hard to say no, but you got to do it. So, yeah, any last thoughts on that? Um. No, not really. Well, I, I will say this. No, I, I'm going to change that and say that he, he makes a really good point that the myth is, is that there's got to be some giant calamity I to totally prep for. I totally agree. You know, job loss is something that's far more likely than many other things, like my, the example I always use of a comet striking the earth and killing 99% of all life on the planet. That's not very likely, thank goodness. And a job loss is something that could easily happen, especially given today's economic times. So before we take a quick break, I want to just give a quick shout out to some of our great, great sponsors. U.S. Law Shield. Uh, Great folks over there who can help you out to legally protect yourself. Um, By the way, all of our sponsors can be found at our website prepping2-0.com please click on friends and affiliates there all the coupon codes are listed check them out other one is jared savick he is a realtor here in montana that specializes in montana you can find him at redstate-realtors.com katie armor c-a-t-i armor backwoods home magazine great resource for all kinds of prepping skills my kind cbd the best in CBD oil. We absolutely uh, agree with you on that. Uh, Minutemen Coffee. They've brought the Constitution back to coffee. Check them out at our website. Tac Niner. Great tactical gloves. EMP Shield. Whew. Thank you to all of our great sponsors. Don't go away, folks. We have so many more comments on prepping myths. More of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher is coming right up. Hear all our previous shows free online at prepping2-0.com. You are only as safe as your gear. Rely on TAC Niner, premium tactical survival gear. TAC Niner, spelled T-A-C, the digit 9-E-R.com. Tactical gloves, lights, poles, trenching, and more. See the full line at tacniner.com. Gear up and save money when you mention Glenn and Shelby. Use the code TACNINERP20 at checkout and save 20% on tactical gloves. TACNINER, premium, high-performance survival gear that is built to last. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Looking to meet other like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own prepper group? Already have a group? Join PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet has gathered the biggest names in the industry to help unite preppers everywhere. Join John Jacob Schmidt, Scott Hunt, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy, Glenn Tate, Shelby Gallagher, Charlie Hogwood, Samuel Culper, Survivor Jane, Rick Austin, Franklin Horton, Ryan Mitchell, and Brian Duff. Our team is united. Check us out at PrepperNet. 
PrepperNet.com. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. PrepperNet.com. Shelby Gallagher here. We found that you need to layer your food preps. Yeah, this is Glenn Tate here. A lot of times the hardest part of layering is the long-term foods. We love Numana foods, which have a 25-year shelf life and are non-GMO. Also, organic meals are available. Numana comes in family-style portions and in bulk. This is not backpacking food. It's family meals that last for at least 25 years. The perfect freeze-dried part of your food layering. You can get a sample of Numana meals for $19.95 and see for yourself. You will be amazed. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount by entering the code PREP. Go to Numana.com or click the link on the Prepping 2.0 website. Give it a try. Numana.com. That is N-U-M-A-N-N-A.com. When the grid goes down, darkness will descend fast. Used to be there was nothing you could do about an EMP, electromagnetic pulse, or CME, coronal mass ejection. Now you can protect your electronics, protect your family, thanks to EMP Shield. EMP Shield invented a simple to install device that prevents whatever's connected to it from frying in an EMP or CME, and it costs just a few hundred dollars. EMP Shield has been tested by independent laboratories and passed muster with the government, which has ordered lots of them. Google EMP Shield and see for yourself. And save some money. Get a $50 discount per device. Go to prepping2-o.com. Click on the Friends and Affiliates page, then click on the EMP Shield logo. At checkout, use coupon code PREPPING2.0. It's all one word. Abe Lincoln here. In 1773, patriots broke the chains of British tyranny by throwing tea into Boston Harbor. On that day, Americans began drinking coffee. We celebrate that event daily here at Minutemen Coffee. All men are created equal. (laughs) Coffee is not. Minutemen Coffee is roasted to perfection in small batches. Old, smooth, and never bitter. Shipped to you fresh daily. Whole bean, ground, or our patented pods. www.minutemencoffee.com Prepping 2.0 is about that next level of prepping. One of the key 2.0 items to have is bulletproof body armor plates. I used to think body armor was too tactical for a regular guy like me, but it isn't. Give yourself, your family, and your team an unfair advantage when bullets are flying. Body armor used to be expensive and hard to get. Not anymore. KD Armor, and that stands for come and take it, makes solid and affordable body armor for normal people. Get body armor while you can. The clowns in Congress are trying to prohibit future sales. KD Armor is the place to get it. C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Prepping 2.0 listeners get a 10% discount when you use the coupon code GRANT. Now, more of Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. Welcome back, everybody, to the second segment of Prepping 2.0. What we're doing today is listening to Patreon's myths. Patreon's are giving us myths about prepping, and we are discussing them and giving color commentary because you learn more from hearing what the myths are sometimes than you do learn from what the truth is. If you know what the myths are, you know what not to do. Whew. I think what we need is some Minutemen coffee. Oh my gosh, yes. That next, sounds really yummy. Go next ahead. Patreon myth is Trevor Congable. He says, the myth that you can spend money on gear and not need any training. That's a variation of what we've been hearing, but so true. And when it comes to training, that usually means firearms training. That's, you know, a word that is commonly associated with firearms. So true. If you can spend the money on training, and there's so many good trainers out there, so many great classes. Um, it's not embarrassing at all to go to training. I mean, nobody's born knowing how to be a gunfighter and of all things to get training on, it should be something that your life literally depends on. Well, training can also be this other skills. It can be the gardening. It can be the butchering meat. It can be the, it can be the, you can have the best knife set in the world on and not know how to butcher meat properly. You know, and so I think it's I think it's you can you can have the can of seeds and not know how to garden. So I think I absolutely agree. It's applicable. I agree with him and and would take it one step further than what you said. So it's more than just firearms training. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. I was just saying that the word training is commonly associated with firearms. And it's it's especially uh, important with guns to get good training. Yes, sir. Well, okay. our next one. Why don't you read that for us? So from Jarrell. 
that you need 40 acres or some wilderness cabin to get started. Does space, outbuilding, storage buildings, acres and acres to farm, etc. make it easier? Sure, but starting small could be as simple as clearing out a corner of your basement to store canned food and other immediate need supplies. Then get creative as you expand. Amen. That's what I did. I lived in a tiny little house in Portland and uh, prepped my basement out. I, I get it. And I was working on getting my gardening going and um, using my small postage stamp size yard making food for me. So, yeah, you can you can do it. As described in your books, A yes. Great State, yeah, especially book one, describes in a lot of detail the, your actual journey on this yes. and is very instructive and motivational. That's one of the things about this show. We try not to just give you information. We try to motivate you because you've got to stay motivated because prepping is getting prepared for something that by definition hasn't happened yet. And so you need to have some motivation to keep doing it. Um, you just do. So next one is David Davis. That could be on his birth certificate. I that don't know. could be. Could be. Could be birth certificate. He has uh, several points. We'll go through them one by one and then do. we'll read it and then do some commentary. Number one, the myth is that if someone didn't start prepping 10 years ago, it's too late and we are all doomed. You can start prepping 10 minutes from now and you're better off than if you continue to ignore the event of the world around you. 100% correct. David Davis, um, yes, you don't, you can't get in a time machine and go back 10 years and start prepping. And that can't be the standard because we have a lot of prepping 1.0ers listening to this show. Oh, yeah. And, and you guys need to be motivated too. And in his point about you're better off than most other people is something I say all the time. I get a lot of emails and Patreon messages and, and Facebook posts by people who kind of feel guilty. They say, oh, geez, we're not as far along as you and Shelby. Uh, we must not be, you know, in this prepping game or something. I say, oh, no, no, you are, you're ahead of 99% of the population. And you can't, again, let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You've just got to start getting stuff done and starting off with skills is the way to go. Well, and if I can add to that, yes, if you start right this very second, you're you're much better off. And I would say this, if you're listening going, I, I haven't started, start because the window is closing, mm -hmm. especially as we're looking at inflation on steroids in the next years. Yeah, exactly. Number two, this myth, he says, toys and gadgets mitigate not having skills. Training and skills are for amateurs. Sarcasm. Yeah, we've covered this. Um, 100% skills are, are more important than gear. Uh, it's kind of easier to get gear than it is to, to get skills. But guess what? We're not preppers because we take the easy path. If we took the easy path, we would be the general population slugs that are sitting on the couch eating a bag of Doritos every night. So that's not us. Number three, myth. Moving to the country and starting a homestead automatically makes you prepared. Moving to the country and working hard every day makes you prepared. Yeah, that's true. Those are myths. I mean, you're better off in the country and um, having a homestead, but that doesn't make you 100% prepared if you still need things from the outside world. And if you don't have skills, um, you've got a big problem. So there you go. Why don't you read number four for us? I like this a lot. The only firearm worth owning is the latest NASA-grade high-speed, low-drag, satellite-controlled, and physics-defying rifle and pistol. And you must own at least a dozen of each. There's an old saying, fear the man with only one gun. Because he knows how to use it. Yes, he does. That's right. You know, and, and we've we've mentioned that on this show. I've, I'm often saying you don't need that 7th AR-15. You need water treatment materials, for example. And so, yeah, and I think prepping is an excuse, and this is mainly targeted at guys. Prepping is an excuse for some guys to indulge their desire to have a bunch of really cool guns and justify it by saying, I'm going to shoot all the zombies. I, I like guns. I have more guns than I need. And so maybe I'm part of this, but I, I also have branched out. I've learned all kinds of things that I never thought I'd be interested in. Some things that candidly I'm not very interested in. I just do it because I know I, I get the skills because I know that I need to be good at those things. And so you have to you have to cover all the bases. That's our point here. You can't just be I'm only going to 
prepare with, you know, guns. You, you gotta, there, there's, there's more to life. There's more to surviving For sure. <laughs> than just guns. Yes. So I'll go on to the next one. Sally Gray says, this is her myth. And then she adds some commentary to it. All you need is to store enough emergency bucket food. No, and then she goes on, no talk about the water needed to rehydrate the food, ways to cook it, or even if it's been taste tested to see if you like it or how your body reacts to it, not to mention other types of food, canned or other shorter term storage, gardening, hunting, etc. Oh, she just hit it on the head. Do, do I think you should have, do we think you should have a bucket of freeze dried food? Yes, but that's like major emergency like supply kind of stuff because of all the things she just said. I will say this, for all the times that I backpacked when I was a teenager um, and we used freeze-dried food, every time we used it when we went backpacking, I would I would have a reaction to it because it's a different food. I wasn't used to it. And I'm also hiking 15 to 20 miles a day and my body's under stress. I absolutely agree with her. Put those things aside for if in case you need it, but be prepared. Your stomach may not be ready for it. And I actually think there's a lot other ways that you can prepare and store food that are cheaper, but get that food supply going. What do you think, Glenn? I think it's all about layering when it comes to food preps. And and I mentioned that earlier, but I'm going to emphasize it again because it's so important. You have to have some emergency bucket food. Sure. You need to have some canned food and other short-term storage. You need to have a gardening plan, preferably have been practicing it. You need to have hunting skills because everybody has a gun. The gun is the easy part. Actually taking the shot is the easy part of hunting. It's the hours and hours it took to get into a position to find the game and take the shot. Then you have to haul it out of the woods. Then you have to field dress it or field dress it and then haul it out of the woods. Then you need to butcher it. Then you need to preserve it. Then you need to be able to cook it once it's been preserved. It's a system. Like I'm always saying with so many other things, there's a system involved here. It's not just isolating one part of it. This isn't a hunting video game where you look at a a buffalo in the scope of your imaginary video game gun and you pull the trigger. That's the easy part. Anybody can do that. So you got to have layering and yeah, we've we've pretty much oh, yeah. made that point. So the next one is I'll take the next one. Chris Chris says, and this is, and I'm, and the reason why I want to jump in on this, because you will definitely have a comment to this. He's, he or she says that you can do all the prepping without family members buying in. Sure, you can do it without the spouses agreeing, but chances are when spouse sees all the money going to it, they aren't going to be happy. I lived this and uh, it was unpleasant. Yeah, it didn't go well. Um, It's so true. You have to have your spouses at a minimum, your spouses tacit approval. It might just be that your spouse puts up with it, uh, but there cannot be hostility because, and now, and this is particularly true of men who want to prep and and women who don't want them to prep. I've heard it from women who have hostile husbands too. Yeah, but you'll see where I'm going with this, that um, men are wired to provide for their family. And part of providing is having a plan and having things and skills for feeding your family and securing your family when things go horribly wrong. And when you, when you um, rain on that parade, when you belittle that drive, that very strong, natural, healthy, good drive that men have, it is particularly destructive to the motivation and the well-being of a man when prepping is poo-pooed. And yes, there are women who who prep and have disengaged husbands and that exists, but I don't think the effect is as great on women as it is on men. Well, and I think for women, it's you're right. It is a different um, nerve that it hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with women, what's frustrating is that um, they are wired to be nurturers and taking care of the, the the children and the kids and the and the family and the family home. So, and this is how I felt um, for a long time. It was um, I don't have a pro- what you just said. I don't have a provider, someone who is kind of the protector of this home, and I felt very vulnerable and unsafe. So, if I have a spouse that isn't going to do that, it, it hits the nerve of. 
I'm not safe and I'm not prepared because of this. So it's interesting how that is. God made us to be uh, partners in this, didn't he? Exactly. And it takes two to pull this off. And I can tell you from firsthand experience the difference in quality of life, let alone quality of preparedness, by having a wife who's on board. And Shelby is not only on board. I mean, she's she's a cheerleader in all of this. She is, a, you know, very much an equal and and motivates me and has all kinds of skills that I don't have. And just to be that that serious about taking care of the family, taking care of ourselves and taking care of the family, it's very gratifying to be a man and have a partner like you. Well, thank you. And if I, I can add to that, I think both of us discovered when we got together that with both of us having the mindset, it, it had the multiplying effect. You put us together, you put a good couple together that are prepping minded, like your efforts are suddenly increased 10,000 fold because you're working together, which was just very refreshing for us. So, yeah. So you can go on. Do you want to do the next one? Yeah. Francesca Simpson says that you're going to be the next Jeremiah Johnson and just live in the mountains strictly off the land, even though you've never done it before. How many other people are thinking the exact same thing? People don't think it takes skills to hunt, trap, and forage. They also don't take into account that squirrels and deer just about went extinct during the depression. A hundred percent. The idea, the lone wolf myth that you can just, you know, go from living on the couch and eating those Doritos and having, having the heating and air conditioning that you have and having electricity and having hot water and all the comforts we have. And you can just go from that magically to living off the land because you watched a movie and it looked pretty cool how people did it. It's fiction. It is absolute fiction. And the point about the squirrels and the deer just about going extinct during the depression, I believe, because where we live, there are deer everywhere. I mean, they, you see them in fields. I mean, elk, you see elk everywhere. I mean, it's they're everywhere. But when everybody has the same idea, they're not going to be just walking well, and around. Not, and at least the elk are not stupid. When people start shooting at them, they take off and mm-hmm. they are incredibly elusive. Yeah. So yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Francesca, for, for yes. busting the myth of the lone wolf. Well, and to add to that, Jarrell popped in another one. Uh, another one would be that you'll just figure it out. Practice makes perfect. I know when I started, one of the main things I did was buy a whole bunch of books about traditional skills, gardening, hunting, trapping, canning, but never did anything in the books. You know what? Some of that stuff is hard to do and you can't just figure it out take time to actually read the educational materials and then practice them. Going to be really hard to read a book about building an emergency shelter when you're cold, hungry, and tired, and it is already raining on you. Amen. That is so true. The point about it's going to be hard to learn stuff when you're cold, hungry, tired, and it's raining on you. One of the beautiful things about peacetime is that you can learn skills and acquire things, but learn skills most importantly in peacetime when you're not tired, hungry, and it's not raining on you and nobody's shooting at you. Now is the time. You've been given a gift. You've been given the gift of peacetime. Use that to learn skills, practice skills, perfect skills, and you don't have to absolutely enjoy. Now, first of all, most of it's fun. I love learning and I've learned a bunch of cool things, but the standard shouldn't be, I should be absolutely thrilled to learn how to build a fire. And if I'm not thrilled, if it's not the most important thing in my world, if it's not something on Friday afternoons, I say, geez, I can't wait tomorrow on the weekend to go and build a fire. You don't have to be that enthusiastic for it to be something you ought to do. Right, exactly. Goodness, oh yeah. I'll do the next one. Bill Seward says, perhaps not a myth, but the concept of the golden horde that will roll out of the cities and overwhelm the rural areas. I think this is way oversold. As Katrina demonstrated, a lot of the horde is immobile. They don't own a vehicle. Those that do rarely keep them filled, just buying 10 to $20 worth of gas is needed. Gangs may become a problem, but I believe at first they are going to concentrate on accumulating turf and settling scores with other gangs and law enforcement. Only after the supplies run out in the cities and the looting is unfruitful will they think about fanning out, and by then they may be without working vehicles. I just can't see them moving out on foot, one hand holding up their pants. Well, I can, but that's a humorous in a way. I largely agree with this, but I do disagree a little bit. I think that rural areas 
are going to have problems with urban people um, coming in. But I think that, that Bill is right that some of the things that are going to slow down the Golden Horde is the uh, the settling of scores and the looting their own areas first. You know, it's amazing. You look at um, uh, the crime maps with the little pins that show where crimes are and then show where the the accused, the defendant, the bad guy lives. And they're always pretty close. Right. I mean, not a lot of not a lot of gangbangers um, go drive into another state to go randomly shoot somebody. It's usually in their own neighborhoods that they do these things because it's just more convenient. They have conflicts. They run into people on the street corner in their own neighborhood. And that's when trouble starts. And so, yes, it's, it's going to be rather localized for a while. But... And, 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 and Bill mentions they don't have cars and stuff like that. First of all, they'll steal them. Oh, but goodness, but yes. second of all, the drive to eat is going to be a bigger drive than the laziness of just sitting around and, and scavenging through your own neighborhood. People will do amazing things to eat, especially when their kids are hungry. And so I think there will be a golden horde prob- problem in rural areas. Um, it's it may not be as as dramatic as fictionalized accounts, but I think there is going to be a problem with that. Well, and and I think COVID and there was this response to this, too. And we might read this here in a moment. COVID gave us a glimpse. So many things in regards to our this, this collapse we're living in. COVID was a precursor. We saw this in Western Washington. Um, when COVID was happening, the lockdowns were happening, two things happened. One, um, crime went through the roof in Seattle and people drove hours, mm-hmm. multiple oh, yeah, hours right. to our town to do one of two things. One, go to the gun store that we had and buy guns. And then they'd have to come back two weeks later after the background check and whatever, whatever. And they got, they got kind of angry at that. And we went, ha ha. Two, they all rented an Airbnb in our area and stayed out of the city. So there is, a, to a degree, there's going to be a, a, a golden horde. And I do think it depends on where you're at. I do know in the on the East Coast, in the New England area, there was a real problem with people going, you know, going out into the woods, leaving New York City, leaving Boston and, and over hunting because of some of the supply chain issues. So I think it it depends on where you're at. It depends on how far you are away from a city. It, and it, there, there's going to be localized versions of that. I don't think it's going to be like all of a sudden, you know, all the big cities empty out. But And it will happen very slowly. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, I agree. And I think I just thought of another reason I disagree with Bill a little bit. I think you can tell from what he's writing that he views the Golden Horde as inner city people. Right. And, you know, the thing about holding their pants up with one hand, by the way, that, that applies to white hooligans too. It's oh, yeah. not a oh, color yeah. oh, thing. Oh, gosh. I mean, there are all Just kinds of- Just walk down the mall. They, they're all holding their pants all up. All kinds yeah. of um, uh, Eminem wannabes, you know, with their, um, with their pants down to their- Mid-thigh. Mid-thigh. But, and so there's, okay, there's the inner city urban population. Yes, there is. And they're going to be more violent than the suburban people. But there's going to be a ton of suburban people. When you talk about sheer numbers, suburban folks need to eat too. And they're going to go where they think the food is. And and remember, we were just talking about the lone wolf thing and about how some people, after sitting on the couch their whole life, think they'll just magically live off the land. I think that suburban people are far more likely to think they'll just live off the land because, you know, they're not engaged in in crime daily and they they just have that mythical couch view of the world and i think that the suburban hordes are going to be as much or more of a problem than the inner city hordes number one there are more suburban people and number two i think suburban people are more out of touch with reality than inner city people in a lot of ways inner city people understand violence they understand protecting yourself. They understand if you need something, you just go and you get it. And I don't think there's that much drive and motivation in the uh, hearts of most suburban people. And I think, as I say, suburban folks, and the other thing is suburban folks are not used to going without anything. People in the inner city are 
relatively used to it. I mean, they live in uh, in HUD housing or something, and the uh, the electricity goes out because it's not maintained well or whatever it may be. So I think that suburban people are a bigger threat, and they're closer. They're physically closer to the rural areas. And another reason I don't think the rural areas are immune from the golden horde is that there are all kinds of of criminals and lowlifes in rural areas. And yes, most of them are white, by the way. Let's just be honest. And so you're going to have all kinds of meth dealers and petty criminals and just lowlifes in in the rural areas that are going to be a big problem for good people in rural areas. And so the the bad people are layered, (laughs) layering, right? They're in cities, they're in suburbs, and they're in the country. And so it's going to be a problem, which is why you need guns and training. Absolutely. And there was one uh, reply to this, and and we're going to wrap it up here in just a minute and carry this into the after show. So Rick comments and said, darn, you got this out first. He said, and this is what I'm talking about with this being localized. When COVID was starting up in my area of Minnesota, we had a lot of people from the Twin Cities come up here and buy up whatever they could as the supplies down there disappeared quickly. Again, we saw that where we lived in Western Washington. People would drive hours to come to our grocery stores and Walmarts and Costco's to buy out all the toilet paper. They came in um, and bought you know stuff because the, all of that emptied out so quickly during COVID. And so... Uh, I see that happening, but I also see, and again, I got to watch the time here, the the tolerance in the in the inner cities to put up with such incredibly high crime numbers and incredibly high prices at the grocery store is stunning to me. I know we're seeing a big movement of people out of cities right now, but the fact that there's even millions of people still living in cities and tolerating what they're tolerating is, is incredible to me. So, um, but we have to wrap it up here really quick and, and head into the after show. Um, any final thoughts? Yeah, I think the big, the big message for the first few myths that we've heard has been training, yeah. uh, and that you can just do this easily and uh, stuff will magically appear. And I, I really love our Patreons. I think they're amazing people because they get it and yeah. they understand what all is involved. And I think uh, the folks listening to the regular show, I have got a lot out of listening to Patreon's myths. And those of you who are Patreons are going to listen in the after show to a bunch more of these myths. And there's some really good ones coming up. And if you are uh, wanting to join us on Patreon, feel you uh, the invitation is always there. You can head over to our website at prepping2-0.com in the upper right-hand corner. There is a, a little button that says Patreon. Click on that, and for as little as $2 a month, you can come on over and, and help us uh, do these kind of brainstorming shows where we let you uh, be part of the show. So, folks, uh, have a great week. And as always, as Benjamin Franklin says, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. Have a great week, everyone. Adios. You've been listening to Prepping 2.0 with authors Glenn Tate and Shelby Gallagher. All the information you've heard today, including all our previous shows, is online at prepping2-0.com. Find out more about Glenn's books at 299days.com and Shelby's books at agreatstate.com. Until next time, be smart, be safe, and be prepared.